Welcome to Bethel Christian Fellowship, a house of prayer for all nations, where strangers become friends and friends become family. We're trying to radiate life and joy, even though we're not in this building. We're all over the city. We're all over the world, in fact, from many nations. Many nations gather, many nations who are scattered, and this is a unique time when we are dealing with COVID-19, and I want to talk today about COVID-19 and the cross. This is part two of the series we had, and part of the longer series we've been having about the crucifixion and why crucify the just king. So I want us to pray before we begin. Lord, we come to you now where we are, and we ask that you would speak to us from your word. God, we need a word from you, the eternal word, but that's for our time and situation now. We need to hear your voice afresh, your voice for the ages that's fresh now. Speak, Lord, as we turn to your word, as we turn to one another in this time. Speak, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, COVID-19 and the cross, I want to ask you, how are you doing? Um, it's been an unusual week. I have not been uh, with anybody except those in my house and those I meet on a walk um, since the last time I looked in this camera and looked at you. And I haven't been in this building even, uh, even in my office for, for a week. And now we're beginning a lockdown or a stay at home, safe at home time that uh, is going to be right up through Easter. So the uh, government has decided to have a special time for Lent. So that we can, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I think this is an opportunity. So, how are you doing? I, maybe you're feeling separated, like me. I, I'm a real extrovert. And so, uh, it's strange for me to be doing this and talking to you through a camera. Um, but I'm, so it's been odd to just have us at home. Um, fortunately, my daughter Rachel had come home on spring break and then it didn't seem safe to go back on the bus. So she stayed, which has been nice for Jan and I along with her boyfriend who was there for a week, and um, it's been good um, to meet him, too. And uh, But it's separation is different, but it's also been an opportunity to talk to people when I'm walking through Como Park and actually say, how are you doing? People who strangers, talk to you, because they're anxious to see somebody. Um, so it, it's been an opportunity, but um, it has felt separated. And uh, and then as, you, as I've sometimes gotten into the news, I've gotten wrapped up in things, and sometimes I can get angry about why didn't they make tests quick sooner? Why didn't we, um, why didn't we help the Chinese? And if we'd been really motivated, we would have uh, been making tests for them so that they could uh, have dealt with their, their disease, which has become our disease. But, um, you know, a lot of us are angry, and we're, of course, when we do that, we're usually pointing to somebody else, right? They did it. Um, they should have, Trump should have, the liberals should have, the Europeans, the Chinese, somebody uh, should have done something different. Or um, we tend to think that, uh, I don't know, we, we can keep, be angry. Should we be angry? Well, things are bad. Um, but who should we be angry with? That's a good question. And how can we be connected in this time? And what kind of opportunity is this? Is there possibility for connection in a new way? Is it possible for things to be made right. Um, I'll give you a couple examples of, of uh, some of the things I've been, you know, things are different. My daughter, Hannah's in Kenya, and she can't get out 
the flights are done. Um, she's decided to stay there, along with uh, my brother and other people and lots of friends there. They've shut things down in Kenya and Tanzania and other places. Um, I was trying to figure out what to do with the uh, kids who are gone. Um, but then there's also been an opportunity to connect in new ways, like I mentioned, with people in the park. And my, my daughter, Rachel, set up, a, it was my birthday this week. She uh, came and said, do you want to talk to some of my colleagues, Dad? She should turn the, the uh, camera around. And it was uh, my family. My kids were there, and then pretty soon all my siblings and their spouses were there, and then 10 of my nieces and nephews and their kids, and some of their kids, their nieces and nephews and spouses, and then some of their kids. So, wow, I had more people for my birthday than I've had, I don't know, maybe ever. Um, so it was possibilities for new connections. And I want to talk about some possibilities for new connections for you in this time. Possibilities that things can be made right in a new way at this time. So... First of all, we have to start with something is very wrong. Something is unjust and something must be made right. So something's very wrong, it must be made right. There's injustice, it must be made right. And because of the injustice, we get angry. Of course, we tend to blame somebody. But is that really the deal? So when is God, since he is just and loving, shouldn't he also be angry? Um... We don't like an angry God somehow, but shouldn't he be angry when his beloved is in, got in trouble? And shouldn't we also have problems? Shouldn't we also address that? So um, this has been our year for the just king, and it's 2020. So our question we were asking also was, why crucify the just king? We said that crucifixion was a terrible thing. Now, I've been using this book, The Crucifixion, um, by filming Rutledge, she talks about she talks about how uh, awful crucifixion was. That it was the most demeaning, humiliating way to die. Um, when a, a quote here, crucifixion was specifically designed to be the ultimate insult to personal dignity, the last word in humiliating and dehumanizing treatment. People were snuffed out like like insects, not even animals. Executed publicly, situated at a major crossroads in our well-trafficked artery, devoid of clothing, left to be eaten by birds and beasts, victims of crucifixion were subject to optimal, unmitigated, vicious ridicule. What was God thinking? Why crucifixion? Well, it turns out that God is not like this, like we'd like to picture him. You know, a, a nice God, a buddy God, who's, you know... And a God who doesn't ever get angry about people who don't really ever make big sins, just kind of who's, but that's just a projection because people aren't really as nice as we think. And the world isn't as set up as we think. And in this COVID-19 thing, we're finding out, man, things are a mess. Things are not the way they should be. And a lot worse than we thought they were. And being American doesn't protect us being, um, technological, all of our gods we talked about last time are not protecting us. They've been humiliated with the way they cannot respond to this. And it's not turned out that um, God, the crucifixion, this is the God we also expect that he's going to just be Rambo and solve it. But he actually was crucified. Why was God crucified? Why crucify the just king? Why did he really have to die? Well, the bad news is much worse. The good news is much, much better. So 
COVID-19 is just the tip of the iceberg for how bad the bad news is. It is one result of the bad news. It does say that there's an enemy who's after us. And creation is not just the way God made it. And there is an enemy out there. But the good news is much, much better. You have not yet weighed the gravity of sin, Anselm said. If you don't understand why God had to be crucified, you don't know how bad sin was, how bad the situation was, because sin is a responsible guilt for which atonement must be made. There had to be a sacrifice. And sin, the powers are also enslaving us. Sin, death, Satan, the world, the world system are alien powers enslaving all people that must de be defeated. We Jesus was a victor. We need somebody to have victory over that. So um, the just king was crucified in order to make us right with God and others who we sinned against. That's what it means to be justified. It means make us just with God. God's righteousness and justice is an active thing. It's not just a verb. It's not just a noun. It's a verb. And Jesus' sacrifice made us right with God. Jesus sacrificed. He is the sacrifice. And he also freed us from the power. Jesus' victory gives us power over the powers, gives him victory over the powers. So let's go back to the bad news. What is the bad news? Well, God made a beautiful world and people in his image. And he was close to them, walking with them in the garden. And they were tight, connected, together fellowshipping, hugging, doing the things that we love and can't have now. But we're dying, and we're slaves, and we're responsible, and we're guilty because of that. And there's also an enemy that made that happen. There was a snake in the garden, and they were separated not only from God, but from each other as they blamed each other for what happened. The problem is we're separated from God, we're separated from each other, we're separated from the good things of God's creation. So I want us to think about that we were together in that garden, but then there was a bridge that was destroyed. So this bridge has three parts. The part, part of it says that there is a God doesn't understand us because how could he understand what it means to sin and, and to suffer and to deal with the, the death and the terrible things that are happening to us and and loneliness and accusation and everything else. And we can't understand God because God's so different. And then there's the big problem of sin. And then I want you to notice that the bridge is being blown apart. The bridge is being blown apart because there's an enemy. And actually, we're responsible. We put the charges in there that blew the bridge apart, that separated us from God. But I want us to look. I'm just going to take a few scriptures. I can't cover all the scriptures that deal with these two main themes that we talked about. But let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews 12 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, bodies, God cares about our bodies, and he cares about sickness, he cares about death. But because we're flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. He dealt with the flesh and blood issues we have. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. So we were slaves to death, to the devil, and God, by his victory, set us free. But he had to die to do it. 
It was on the cross that he set us free. It goes on and says, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that we could be our, so he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. A sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. I want you to notice that he's a victor over sin and death and the devil, but he's also sacrificed. He could take away the sins of the people. He is a high priest who is giving the sacrifice. He also is the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we're being tested. Now, I want you to notice that this time is going to be a testing time. When Satan, when, when the Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness, Satan met him there, and he was tested when he was on his own, separated out in the wilderness. This is a time of testing. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for Satan to take you the wrong way. It's an opportunity for you to look at things you shouldn't be looking at, waste your time and do a lot of things and get angry with the people you're with. Or it's an opportunity for God to make you a better person, to bring a connection with him and with other people that hasn't happened before. This is an opportunity. So both the sacrifice idea and the victory idea are there. Let's look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered into heaven, he entered himself, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Therefore, we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So, I want you to see how amazing this is. He, we said that there were three parts of the separation. One of the parts was, how could God understand us? Well, he became us and understood our weaknesses. He went through not only the wilderness, but Gethsemane, where he began this fight with the powers. He was alone on the cross. He was separated from God when he said, how, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He understood all the weaknesses and difficulties that we have. He confronted the powers. Um, in the gospel, the gospels, it shows Jesus coming into the temple and casting out the, the, the money changers and upsetting the whole economic, political um, system that was set up there. The best people had set up a system that was unjust. And he confronts them, and they get mad because he's in the temple. And so they take him to trial, and they condemn him. But in that trial, it's all actually the condemnation of themselves. And when Jesus dies, the temple veil that separated people from God is torn into. It's a judgment on the temple and the legalistic way of becoming good, good people versus bad people. It turns out, there are no good people and bad people. That line between good and bad writes right down the middle of us. We're all the image of God and we are sinful, guilty, evil. And so in our sanctuary, I don't know if you can see it on this video, but the cross is between that rent. This was the, the place where when this was a synagogue, the uh, Torah scrolls were there, but the the tabernacle had the veil rent and so that 
Jesus opened the way. So in Hebrews, it shows not only was he judging the temple and destroying that system, but he was opening the way so that we could come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. He was rebuilding that bridge. Jesus himself is that bridge. He has crossed it so that he dealt with our sin. He dealt with the fact that we couldn't understand God and that God couldn't understand us. And now there's a bridge built. And all we have to do is walk across the bridge that he's provided to get ourselves connected again with God. We can boldly approach the throne of our very gracious God who did all this for us. Now, we like to think God just forgives. But you know, it's, it's okay. I forgive you. It's not like that. It was costly. Because, you know, we get upset when things are wrong. We say, somebody ought to be responsible for this. That's not right. It's not right. And we want the guilty to be punished. No impunity. We think people should have a penalty when they do wrong and hurt people. And God feels the same way. And we are part of the responsibility. But God took care of that so that now we can boldly approach the throne because of his sacrifice. So this is just amazing, amazing news that we are reconnected, that he knows our weaknesses. Let me go on to Hebrews chapter 9. So this is just showing how God has welcomed us into his presence and connected us again. So Hebrews 9 says this, verse 11, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. With his own blood, now, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. So Jesus was not only the high priest who was bringing the sacrifice, he also was the sacrifice. His blood was the sacrifice. He was the lamb that was slain. It says under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For, the pie, for by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Now, I want you to notice something here. All three of the Trinity are involved in this. God not only gave his son, but Christ offered himself, and he did it through the Spirit. So some people think, you know, I don't like this crucifixion thing. This is like child abuse. Sacrificing your son? What's that, what's that about? But Christ himself offered himself as a sacrifice. He was the high priest who brought that sacrifice to deal with what was needed. It goes on and says, that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. A new covenant that binds between God and people so that all who are called can receive the internal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. So God died so that we could be set free from our sins and our guilt and our responsibility, and he died so that the powers that are capturing us could be broken. We are enslaved by the powers. Now, the powers include sin, which has us captured. Not only do we get 
forgiven and cleansed, but we are freed from the power of sin that makes us want to go back to the same place. Sin and death. He freed us from death on the cross. He freed us from the powers. Now, the powers, there's also the, the powers in, in the, the system. What, who killed Jesus? Well, it was the devil and his powers, but it was also the government, the religious system, the all the good things that God had created, which had turned against him and became rebellious. He made, he had victory over all of those powers, and including the world system, including ourselves, sin, the devil, the world, the flesh, meaning our own selfishness, all of those were defeated. So the result was that that bridge that had been blown apart is rebuilt. Now, I want you to keep in mind something. One time when I was preaching something similar to this in Tanzania, um, I, I drew this on a chalkboard, and when I was done, I, I drew a three-part bridge like this, and it had a little superstructure like that in the middle. When I was done, the preacher came up, uh, the pastor of the church came up and said, he drew this really well. You notice how there's this, this hump in the middle, this hill. This is like Mount Kilimanjaro, and we have to struggle and work so that we can get up that mountain, and we can get over, and we can get to God. And I was like, oh, no, he's just destroyed the gospel because God built the bridge. Jesus sacrificed himself. It's not my effort that gets me to God. It's not my good works that enables me to do something. Jesus himself built the bridge. All I have to do is walk across it. He himself has reconstructed the bridge that I blew apart, the bridge that the powers are defending and trying to keep me from getting to God. And you know what? Ephesians says that it's also where he reconciled those of us who were separated on the cross. He reconciled different people groups, Chinese and Europeans and Africans and Americans and people of different colors and people of different tongues and languages, all brought together and reconnected. Those who were separated and alienated have been reconnected. Our separation and alienation from God is gone. I want to take another scripture that Paul has here where he puts these together. Colossians 2 says this, you were dead because of your sins. Dead because of your sins. Because your, and your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. Again, forgiveness is not a cheap thing that God just, oh, it's okay. No, it had to be paid for. He paid for it with his blood, with his own body, with the suffering and the infliction of that terrible crucifixion, terrible humiliation and shame. Because you were so bad, he had to die for you. And you were so good. No, you weren't so good. Got that wrong. Scratch that. He was so good. He loved you so much that he died for you. You're so bad, he had to die for you. He loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. And then it goes on and says, in this way, on the cross, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, when it came to the judgment, they said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, yes, but not the way you're thinking. And they killed him because he was upsetting their kingdom. 
And on the cross, when they did the worst thing possible to him that they could, he defeated them. He shamed them. He showed them as powerless. He showed them as evil. And he had victory over them on the cross, even before the resurrection. The resurrection just affirmed the victory that had already happened on the cross. Now, I want to talk about our opportunity. This is the slide we had from a year ago when we had Lent. We said, welcome to the wilderness, an invitation to join Jesus in the wilderness. The wilderness was a place where Jesus was tempted. The wilderness was a place where the Spirit led him in. They had to say, so if you're the Son of God, he had just said, my beloved Son, you remember at the baptism? He said, you are my beloved Son. You bring me great joy. Remember that? And yet, in that phrase was also the indication that he was going to die, like Isaac, the beloved son, had died. And Isaac was replaced by a ram, which really wasn't enough. The real sacrifice was Jesus himself. So, can you be beloved and still suffer? You see, we are caught in between this time when Jesus has won the decisive victory when he was on, there on earth. He cast out demons. He conquered sickness. And yet the demons were allowed to kill him. And then he, it was the decisive victory on the cross where the ages changed, where the alien powers that were ruling were defeated. And Jesus was enthroned. He ascended and was enthroned in the heavens. Jesus has won the victory. And yet, he is returning to have victory. 1 Corinthians 15 says, then the last enemy defeated will be death. We haven't seen it all yet. God, he's already king, but he's also coming to take up his throne. Let me read 1 Corinthians 15 for you quickly. So you see the contrast that Jesus has already defeated but he's also still going to complete what has happened. After that, the end will come. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 24. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign. He is reigning now. He must reign until... He humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So he has defeated the enemies, he defeated death, and yet he's still going to be destroying and defeating them. We're caught in this time when he's already defeated them and not yet. So in this time, I want you to think about some opportunities to participate in Christ's victory. Now, the government has been so kind that they have offered us a special opportunity for Lent. They offered us to be in the wilderness. They offered us to, you know, we talked about Lent having a special, uh, a, that there are different kinds of disciplines we can have at Lent. We showed that you can have individual disciplines, corporate disciplines, things that also take things away and things that add. So we've lost some things that we miss. But there's also some opportunities for some things that we didn't have before. So some of you have been saying, boy, I wish I could just not go to work. 
God's provided you that opportunity. You've said, I wish I could spend more time with my family. God's provided you that opportunity. You've said, I wish I could spend more time in prayer. God's provided you that opportunity. I've said, I wish I could go out on this beautiful day in the middle of the day and go for a walk. Turns out I could do that. I can go for a prayer walk in the woods at Como Park and have a good time with God. Now, I miss coming to the office and seeing other people. But God's given us opportunities for new things. Um, so I want to encourage you at this time to take the opportunity. Take the opportunity to do what is possible now that hasn't been possible before. Um, I want you to take the opportunity, first of all, let me encourage you to do what the government has asked us to do. This really is for our benefit. Um, I want you to wash your hands. Whenever you touch anything, 20 minutes, say the Lord's Prayer. Now, when you say the Lord's Prayer, I want you to remember to say, forgive us our sins. Um, I want you to take the opportunity to uh, be away from each other, separate. You know, this is wisdom. The, even in the Old Testament, like we talked last time, the, the lepers were put outside the camp so that they didn't infect other people. Now, Jesus invaded it a new way and went and hugged lepers. It's wise to be outside the camp, but Jesus is also given a new kind of victory. So um, I want you to obey the, the public health authorities have given us wisdom in this situation. So please do what they're asking us to do. It's going to help us a lot. We, uh, we really could have some significant things that are coming out of this, and we want to do all that we can. But again, ultimately, we're depending on God. I want you to pray. Pray for victory over COVID-19. God is able to do that, and, and we aren't, um, even though we can do what we can do. Um, and then I want you to come back to this, some simple stuff here. I want you to pray. Pray for other people. Pray for yourself. Connect with God in a new way. I want you to have hope because we have hope that's way beyond this. We have hope that's going to allow us to do a final victory. God is here and he is coming. I want you to give thanks. Give thanks for the new opportunities, for the spring coming, for the chance to be with your family, for each of the things that you sometimes take for granted. Give thanks for the things that you have taken for granted in the past. Finally, I want you to to mention a few things, four things. I want you to repent. And when I say repent, I want you to keep in mind that we are responsible for sin. So when you pray, pray, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May you be lifted up and not the other gods and other things we depend on. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Rule over all of this. Your will be done. God, in this situation... Rule. Take charge. Rule over me. I want you to repent and say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. This is an opportunity for us to repent. In Daniel 9, look that up. Daniel repents. Even though Daniel is a great person, he repents for all the things that we have done. The truth is, we have done things. When you start saying, those people, if they had, say, we. We failed. We have not done right. We do not deserve the life and the health 
and the good things that God has given us. And yet, we need to repent. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. If we had loved our neighbor as ourselves, things would be different. Um, then I want you to surrender to the just king. Surrender and say, you know what? I want you to be the victor. I want you to be in charge. And then, this might sound strange, but I want you to sacrifice. And you might say, wait a second. I thought Jesus sacrificed. And didn't his sacrifice take care of it all? Yes. His sacrifice did take care of it all. It's done. And yet, we get to participate in his sacrifice. Now, this is something that has become very unpopular. Sacrifice, you know, sacrifice in our day in the 21st century in America seems to be something that only some soldiers do. You know, we hire a few people to sacrifice for us. The rest of us, we're supposed to shop. But things have changed. We're going to have to do some sacrificing. We're in a battle with COVID-19, and we're going to have to do some sacrifice of some things that we love. Some of us are going to do that on the front lines in the healthcare industry and uh, doing things and exposing ourselves to some danger. Some of us are going to have an easier role of taking a Sabbath, taking a sabbatical, and and singing at home and not being with people we'd like to be with. And consider sacrificing for those who have lost their jobs, those who are going to be sick, those who need something delivered. There's here and elsewhere around the world, there's going to be some significant things. Be prepared to sacrifice. And finally, I want you to be prepared to love. Let's radiate life and joy. Love your neighbors who are concerned and worried. You know, I've had some interesting conversations with neighbors and neighbors I never knew just walking through the park. People who uh, just asking, how are you doing? And I asked my neighbor today, uh, can I pray with you? He was like, oh, couldn't hurt. And uh, had a chance to pray with him I've never had before. Um, but he's concerned. And this is a time when we can have a different hope than other people. Even as we are sharing this experience with people around the world. I am praying for you. I'm praying for you that in your situation, God is going to give you victory. That by the Holy Spirit, he's going to enable you to take this opportunity to connect with him in a new way. In this Lent time, up to Easter, that you're going to be able to connect with him in a new way. As you give up a few things, you're going to have some new opportunities to enter into some new things. I'm praying that you'll have victory over the, the despair, the anger, the, the things that could get in the way. You can pray for me too, that I'll be able to uh, sleep and not be anxious about things, that I'll be able to connect with people in a new way, that I'll be able to connect with God in a new way. Let's pray for each other, that we can connect to people in a new way, to God in a new way, that we can experience hope and joy because Jesus is victorious. Jesus has sacrificed, and we are no longer separated from him. So would you take this opportunity to connect with God in a new way as we meditate on the cross where he was victorious, and as we move toward Easter where we find life? Would you enter into this? Let's pray together. Lord, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that you gave it all. You sacrificed everything for us. You sacrificed so that we could be forgiven from our guilt 
that we could be made right, that you could justify us and give us righteousness. You could speak righteousness over us and make us righteous. That you could defeat the powers that have enslaved us, sin and death and sickness and the, the devil and the world system, our own selfishness. God, you've defeated that, and you've opened the way for us to enter into your presence. God, I pray that you would enable us to enter into your presence and experience your grace in new ways in this time. God, I pray for the people who are listening to me now that you would enter in to their situation, that they would experience you. I pray that you'd help them to repent and surrender and sacrifice that which is necessary and love to love people to love you. God, we need you in this time. We've depended on other things, and we repent of that, but we need you. We confess it, that we must have you to be victorious. We must have your sacrifice for us. Thank you for sacrificing yourself for our sins, for our failures. Thank you for being victorious over those things. And Lord, we pray your kingdom come. Complete your victory within us. Complete your victory within our world. We ask you to come back and take us to be with you. Lord, not only take us to be with you, but to reshape this world. God, we are grateful that we've been able to meditate on your word for this time together. Please bless each one of us. Please do the work that you want to do in each one of us in this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to invite you if you have something that you want prayer for, respond on the on the website. Send us a prayer request or send it to me. My my email is s rasmussen s r a s m u s s e n at bethelTwinCities.org. BethelTwinCities.org. Send me an email. Tell me what you want prayer for. Tell me what you thought of this sermon and how you disagree with me, or what you think would be better. Um, I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to connect with you in a new way. So uh, thank you for spending this time. I know you had other things you could do. Thanks for this time that we've had together in God's Word, and may God bless you so richly in every way. Amen.